As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your Ohio State podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, joined by Ari Wasserman. We're doing a mailbag show. We haven't done one. I don't, I don't know the last time we've done one, but we're doing an all-mailbag show. This show is all your questions, and all you guys are super negative. <laughs> These questions were a downer, a lot of them anyway, but we're going to go through them anyway. Ohio State is in the college football playoff. They're playing Clemson. Seems like something folks should be excited about. Uh, just seems more and more like people are angry. Uh, so we're going to answer uh, a few of your angry questions uh, starting with this one from, oh, I guess I should say, if you want to submit questions for future episodes, subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash 4-6. Get you two for one, get for you, get for a friend, and you can ask us questions. Bill, I have to say before we get started, for everybody uh, listening right now, my voice might be a little bit subdued. Uh, we're recording this at 5.55 a.m. and I'm in Las Vegas in a hotel room. And I went out last night with some friends and I'm not feeling too hot. And the funniest thing in the world, Bill always sends me these questions beforehand so I can review them and be prepared and, and ready to talk. And like I rolled over. I'm not feeling well for reasons you guys can imagine. And I opened my phone and the first thing I saw was, is Justin Fields broken? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, so this is the show today. This Good morning. This is what we're doing. Good, <laughs> Good morning. morning. Justin Fields. Uh, when, I didn't mean to like ruin the uh, the the, the uh, anticipation for future questions, but like that was this, and then it was just like 
all these questions were all not as quite as intense as that one, but it seems to me that like we're t- asking questions about a team that's about to go play in the Capital One Bowl after losing three games, and like I don't know if it's just the bad performance against Northwestern, which we'll get into, or the fact that they're the number eleven team in the AP poll, <laughs> or or what's going on. But like guys, we're two weeks away from watching them play Clemson again, and like this is supposed to be the time where you're excited to see what they can do. And there's just overall sentiment of we're doomed and they suck, and it's just like I don't know where that came from. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's just the year weighing on people. I, I, I didn't intentionally pull all of the negative questions. That's just the tone of all of them. But as we're going through the show, I'll, I'll scroll through this, and if I find one that seems like it can level out the emotion of things a little bit, I'll, I'll grab that one too. But let's start with this one uh, from Ryan C. He says, Is this a game of chess that Dabo Swinney is playing by ranking Ohio State 11th in the coaches' poll? He knew Ohio State uh, would be in. He knew Ohio State would see it, so why would he do it? He knew, or he was well aware that Ohio State would be ranked third after Saturday night. And for anybody who is not caught up, Dabo Swinney, who claims to fill out his own ballot in the coaches' poll, put Ohio State 11th, the only coach who had Ohio State outside of the top 10. And also, I missed this, on ACC Network, he was being asked about the game, and he said something to the effect of, like, oh, well, the prep will be easy because we only have to watch six games. <laughs> it's like he keeps doubling down on this idea. What do you think Dabo's doing here? I don't know that he is doing anything other than continually trying to prove the point that he thinks that a team that has only played six games doesn't deserve to be into the playoff. And yesterday, uh, I was bored at the airport, and I was reading Twitter, um, and I sent out a a tweet that got a lot of people fired up, but I'm going to read the tweet. I wonder if Clemson went 6-0 and because it had games canceled due to COVID-19, what Dabble's perspective on whether his team belongs in the college football playoff would be. And, like, I think that, like... We can have a discussion all day about whether or not Ohio State uh, should be in the in the discussion after only playing six games, or how weird it is that they're six and zero and everybody else has played nine, ten, eleven games in the playoff field. I get that, and I understand that it could be an advantage, or, or maybe it won't. I don't know. Um, but the continued behavior, I think, is is just a way to assert himself and like his his thought process that Ohio State shouldn't be in it to begin with. And you know, I don't understand the point of doing it after the fact because he knew Ohio State would see it. And this would become a thing. And you know, I, I don't know if you want to fire up your opponent or, or do what he did. But this isn't something that just started like yesterday. This is a, something he's been saying for what's it been three, four weeks now. Mm-hmm. And I think preemptively he was doing it because he was trying to put himself in the best position or his program in the best position because everything coaches say is to to stump for their program. And if he said that, he was, A, giving his his team a chance to potentially still make it if they lost Notre Dame twice. And, B, I think everybody knows that Clemson would rather play Texas A&M or or Notre Dame or somebody else uh, other than Ohio State in the first round because this is all about seeding and path. And Ohio State's not coming off a very good game right now. And as you're all well aware, it's not easy to be optimistic. <laughs> uh, but this is kind of reminds me a little bit of last year when Ohio State could have had the number one seed, and uh, they got the two seed instead and had to end up playing Clemson instead of playing Oklahoma and advancing to the national title game and being four quarters away from winning a national championship. Like Clemson is clearly the number two team, and I'm not saying they shouldn't be ranked there, uh, but they have a really tough first round out. I mean, they have a tougher first round out than the team they just beat. Uh, or sorry, then Alabama you know, against the team that they just yep. beat. So, you know, I, I don't know. If you're one of the big three programs, the playoff is about 
trying to get to the national championship, but you don't want to play any other big three. <laughs> You'll play anybody else, but the I mean, Ohio State would rather play anybody else in the world but Clemson and Alabama on the first round. Is so I think it was like all like laying the groundwork, <clears throat> and then now he's just doubling down. I don't know why he's doubling down, but he seems very passionate about the subject that he would feel very differently about if the shoe were on the other foot. It's interesting to me that he that he's saying these things because like if he if he and I guess on one hand he's like establishing an excuse already if they do lose, um, but also if they lose and all you've talked about for four weeks is how that team shouldn't have been in the playoff. I feel like it's making it look even worse for you. Like shouldn't you be pumping them up now? Like we're past this point. You maybe you didn't think they should have gotten in, but they, like they got. Yeah, in. Are we in like the bullshit? The other team is the best team yeah, I've ever seen. Phase, right, but yeah, right. yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I everybody saw the leaked Ryan Day video from the locker room, and I know that he's <laughs> yeah. excited, and it was awesome. Uh, Mario. But also, I don't know. He seems really, really fired up more so than than I've ever seen him before. And granted, we wouldn't have seen him in that setting, so maybe that's a regular thing, but. This is the game that Ohio State's been waiting 365-plus days to play. And I think being seven-and-a-half-point underdogs, and I looked up at the bo- at the board at the sports book at Caesars Palace last night, and I looked it up, and it was set plus eight or plus seven-and-a-half. I'm like, they're giving two scores of this team? Like, I don't, like, I don't know. Is Ohio State about to lose 31 nothing again, or, like, is this going to be a really good football game? Because I don't know that I would lay two scores. I was watching a uh, – uh who was it? Oh, I, I, college football nerds on YouTube. I watch their previews sometimes, and one of the guys on there picked Clemson to win like forty-one to twenty-four. And I was like, "Is this where this game is going?" Like, I, I'm just is that I'm, what people think. I'm, I'm, I'm not, not really. There. It's like making me. It's making me wonder, like, what we're supposed to be thinking about this because I've like, you know, I, I think right now if we had to make a pick, uh, and we'll wait another week or two going into the game before we do that. But I'd pick Clemson right now. Uh, I, yeah. I don't know that I think that Ohio State's going to win the football game, but I also don't think they're going to get their doors blown off. Like two scores, two scores is a lot. Like I, I don't, Ohio, yeah, I don't know. I think I still think they score Ohio, a lot. I still think Ohio State's good. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I get. It feels like I'm in yeah. a minority at the moment, but I still think yeah. Ohio State's good. Is uh, they're number eleven, Bill? That's don't true. They are that. number eleven. It's, it's two versus eleven. You uh, you have been um, covering Ohio State longer than I have, and like paying attention to the program longer than I have. Like ranking villains. For Ohio State football, like is that like where's Dabo? Because to me, he's like at the top, and like people hate this guy. Well, the number one villain from the ten years is back, baby. <laughs> uh, Bert. <laughs> Brett Bielema is now the head coach at Illinois, but he had Wisconsin teams kind of humming there yep. in the late two thousands, two thousand tens or two thousand teens. That how do you say that? If you want to talk about like the, the early two thousand tens, the early aughts. The early what? The early aughts. Is that like the correct? I don't even know what that means. People make shit up. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. And he used to say stuff in press conferences. Now it's been seven, eight years since he used to say it. But I remember he used to say very antagonistic things about Ohio State in news conferences. And like Ohio State fans hated that guy. And it's like this one I think is even worse because it's coming from somebody who's kicking your ass. Yeah. And like I don't know if that's a permanent thing. It doesn't have to be. We could be talking a whole new uh, viewpoint about what this, this this emerging rivalry is. Uh, if Ohio State wins this football game on on January first, but right now uh, Dabo has beaten Ohio State in the playoff twice. Last year it looked like Ohio State was going to get back over the hump and, and advance back to the national championship game, and then a few weird things happened in that football game, and Clemson was uh, victorious again. And now here you are as a seven and a half point favorite, ranking your opponent. As, it's just a lack of respect for your opponent going into the thing. It just like 
I don't know that there's been a, a coach that's been intentionally, and sometimes I don't even know if Dabo's intentionally um, trying to poke. I don't I don't know if he's trying to be an, uh, antagonistic about it. And like sometimes it's just like, of course he is, and then other times it's like, I just think that's how he thinks right now. And well, he doesn't. I, I, I don't know. It'd be interesting <clears throat> to. Maybe at some point I'll try to ask Grace Rainer or Clemson Raider about this. Like, I don't think Dabo talks about, like, Alabama this way. <laughs> he talks spicy about Ohio State quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, and, I, and I thought that – and tell me if you think this, Bill, but I, I was listening to the day uh, news conference that you guys were on, or it was one of the – it was either a Zoom call or whatever the Zoom call after the game, but somebody asked Ryan Day about like whether Ohio State's positioning in the playoff was and how he compares himself to other teams or some yeah. context on that sort and Ryan Day said I don't want to talk about other programs because we have enough to talk about about ours in, in terms of like things that they can improve on right. and like I think that that was almost a jab at the coaches who talk about his like I For did sure. you get that too yeah, or was absolutely. he just was he being diplomatic or was he just saying shut the hell up about Ohio no, State he was to other telling people? he was telling Dabo and, and Jimbo to shut the hell up worry about your own house stop looking at mine kind of stuff which is like on so, like uh, i think he's well within his rights to say that but as someone who like likes college football and the absurdity of it like i kind of like that Dabo put ohio state 11th in his coaches poll when we're talking about it because it's so dumb yeah, like it's fun <laughs> the thing about it is is that like everybody is so personally offended by it but it's just like i've said this on the show a hundred times just bring back the art of shit talking yeah right. like what it, it makes the game more intriguing like in this game is the best college game of the year. It's going to be the best, most anticipated college game of the year. Not only because you have two, two traditional powers playing in a playoff setting that you know will take you to the national title if you win, but Ohio State storylines from last year with Sean Wade and uh, some of the things that went went wrong for them in that game and Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. You got that last college matchup before they play against each other for years in the NFL, and then of course now you have all these undertones of of Ryan Day. You know, leaked videos from the locker room that a player somehow <laughs> decided to go live with, and explains a lot. Um, the, the, it explains a lot. <laughs> like we've been, we've been what's, we, have we heard anything more about like what the? I mean, no. Ryan Day is supposed to have a. We're recording this on Tuesday morning. Ryan Day, I think, is going to end up talking on Wednesday. I'm sure he'll get asked about it. I'm sure he won't answer the question. But it's like, why doesn't Demario play? Oh, uh, because he's the guy who streams the head coach from the locker room after the Big Ten title game. Yeah, I'm not so much like if anybody gets offended about Ryan Day using foul language in the Big Ten championship locker room after winning and going to the playoff, then you need a new hobby. Yeah, for sure. Because guess what? That's how these guys probably talk 100 percent of the time when they're in practice. Yeah. Um, and two, I thought it was awesome. Like if you're an Ohio State fan, you watch it you get fired up like yeah we're going we're gonna win yeah. you know I, I don't know I, I think it's great and maybe clemson fans will be like oh yeah they're gonna kick our ass we'll see about that and then ohio state fans are like oh we're 11th we're gonna see about that and it's like yeah. that's awesome great. like that's that's the best thing about the sport and i wish that everybody didn't water it down i wish that we didn't make a joke earlier on the press conference about how coaches uh enter game week and praise the other team like they're playing in the super bowl and the other team can beat the patriots like i, I wouldn't it be great if coaches were like huh so what do you think of their defensive line well it's actually pretty weak and it sucks we're gonna run all over it <laughs> yeah right <laughs> like and I, I know you don't really have much to gain for that but like if i were a team like bama or clemson or somebody like that like if i were Dabo and i really wanted to let it loose like if i were for nick saban and i was playing vanderbilt and somebody's like so what do you think of their skill position uh, it's very very bad and we're gonna have 600 yards of offense against them yeah like what what what, what do you you you're the owner of the sport do it it's fun <laughs> right. we're gonna kill them they suck Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Wouldn't it be funny if a coach said they suck? Yeah. What do you think of uh, of Ohio State? No, they suck. We play fantasy football. When I lose, the opponent says I suck at it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's sports. It's fun. Like, I don't know. So, on the, I guess on the, on this topic, then, I didn't send you this question, but I want to pull it out of the uh, of the queue here. Uh, from Quinton M., would simply beating slash upsetting Clemson be considered a win for the season, even if Ohio State goes on to lose to Alabama? Or is it still natty or bust? Like, would the sweet revenge of Clemson still make this season feel good, even if they don't win the national title? You know, winning a national championship, I think, is an interesting. Was this in the queue, or did you get like a? No, I, I pulled it. Yeah, it's in. It's I didn't send it to you, but it's in the. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we're we're pulling out some interesting questions that aren't negative, mm-hmm. but kind of negative because the assumption is that they're going to lose. We're already yeah. playing <laughs> consolation prize, but I do like. I don't know. Ohio State's never been in a position where coming in second is good, and winning a national championship is what you want to do when Justin Fields is on your roster for the last game or two. Um, you know, so I don't know that I would say that it was uh, a great success, but I think it'd be a great season if they beat Clemson. And like the only thing we ever talk about in terms of um, the big three is the the positioning right now. And last year, it seemed for a minute that. Clemson was going to overtake Alabama or had taken overtaken Alabama as the number one program in college football. Alabama was not in the playoff. Uh, Clemson beat Ohio State in the first round, and granted, LSU won the national championship. But in the overarching rankings of program, you know, you have individual playoff rankings and you have the AP poll. But I have like program rankings in my brain, and those don't move quite as frequently. I think it takes years for those to move. But right now, I would say Clemson won. Alabama too, but like I think at the end of the year it's probably going to switch back because mm-hmm. Alabama just signed the number one class in the country again and is, is the overwhelming favorite to win the national title. Um, so for that sake, like I think if Ohio State beat Clemson, it puts himself back and firmly in the discussion of being on the level playing field with the team that probably came into the year as the number one program in America. So how could that be a failure? Um, but the thing that you you, you would say to that is that if Ohio State does do that, then that means that they lost in the national championship game, and that really sucks for them. So, yep. like, I don't know how to balance those two things, but I think beating Clemson um, would be a, a great success for Ohio State. I, I can't imagine what it would be like for Fields and Olave and all the guys that have redemption stories and a lot of these guys who are leaving after this year were if they were to lose to them again. Yeah. And maybe they will. And it's just like that would just be – a real kick in the knackers, you know. Real I mean, kick in the knackers, bro. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know. But like, yeah, I think if somebody were to say before the year you lost in the national championship game to Alabama, I just feel like you just kind of like, well, that's the sport, you know. I don't know, like yeah. that's that's what it is. I do. You know, you're not. Su- <clears throat> I think on like on some level, on some level, just getting here is a success. And I'm not. I don't say that to like so that when if when slash if they lose, 
you can just sort of explain it away like it doesn't matter. Like it still matters, but like getting to the playoff is no small accomplishment, especially in a year like this. Um, and if they were to lose a national title to Alabama, Notre Dame, whoever, it would suck. But man, if they beat Clemson, that's going to feel really good for this team. Like Ohio State's never beaten Clemson before. Clemson's knocked them out of the playoffs twice, beat them in the Orange Bowl in 13. Everyone hates Dabo. I think he's public enemy number one for Ohio State fans. I think Justin Fields would love to beat Trevor Lawrence in a, in a heads-up battle. All the guys you talked about getting redemption, I think like would, would love to get that, even if it didn't come with a national title after it. Like It would be one of the sweetest wins Ohio State's had in its history to beat this Clemson team with all the build-up to this game. And, like, if they do lose... Do you worry, though, that if they do win, though, that they will, like, have all the gas out of the tank for the next one? Uh, no. No, I don't think so. I don't think you run out of gas when you go in the national title game. I think maybe there's... There's an emotional component to it, for sure. Like, they are really on edge, like, want to smash this team if they can. But... I don't know. Like, I don't think I don't think they could like beat Clemson and then go into the national title game and like lose like thirty to Alabama. Maybe they could. Did you think Did you think that Ryan Day's leaked video was a key into that sense of urgency or that desire or that like you know like it was funny. He was like, "Just give us one game." I was someone that raised my hand. Was like, "Ryan, you got to win two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like I don't know. I'm going to tell you a quick story. When I was in college, I was like the best player at, at NCAA football in my dorm. Nice. And um, we had an NCAA tournament that was sponsored by EA Sports on Arizona's campus. And if you won, you like, you know, remember those Madden Nation games mm-hmm. where they, they send you and you have a chance to win like 50 grand? And there was a guy that had been talking shit to me all week that who had beat me once in my dorm. And like, I had to play him in the final round because we both made it to the championship. And um, I've never been more like anxious to do something or to win something. Like every time I carried the football in a video game, like I was afraid the computer was going to screw me and I was going to fumble the football. I ended up losing on a Hail Mary, which is still something that haunts me to this day. But like you get to this point where it's like you're grinding your teeth that you cannot lose this game. And I don't know if that was a good analogy or not, but like I was like sweating every single play, every minute. I. There was nothing I would do to to not lose that game. And I feel like Ohio State is in that position right now. Not that they weren't when they won the national championship or went to the playoff in the subsequent year, but like I don't know if this is just the storylines taking over in my brain or if this is Ryan Day's behavior in the locker room or if it's just a weird pandemic year or the desperation from the beginning of the year when they thought that the Big Ten season was going to get canceled. But I feel like at this point right now, Ohio State's never been more desperate to win a football game. Yep. And I don't know if it's if you could say they weren't more desperate to beat Bama or to win the national title. That might not be fair, but like just from a desperation standpoint of like what it means and who the opponent is, can you think of another one that might that might stick in their their side like a thorn like this one? I don't know that there is one. No, there's not. There's I think the desperation is inherent in all those things you talked about. There's an added element to this one given the history between these two programs and the fact that the head coach on the other side can't stop talking about you in a, in a negative way. Um, yeah, no, this is different. Like, and do you, so you do you bring that up to wonder whether or not like that could be a, a detriment to Ohio State? Like, they're too on edge, too amped up for this. I think that there's no such thing as too amped up. Yeah, I don't unless think so it, unless it unless it turns into pressing, 
and that could be that could manifest in a lot of ways. That could mean Justin Fields throwing a ball into the window that he's not supposed to because he's desperate to get a first down, or Ryan Day, as you talked about on the last podcast, being overly aggressive. I mean, there's there's ways that that can happen, but in terms of motivation, you're talking about a team that looked like dog shit in the Big Ten championship game for two for three three and a half quarters almost, mm-hmm. and if they need to like something like. Clemson talking garbage to like get on point and put themselves in a position where they practice as hard as they can every single day and and rep as hard as they can and get on the same page in order to be the crispest version of itself when they play in that game then this is almost a blessing I think because there is some question in my mind about whether or not Ohio State can transform from the thing that we saw on TV against Northwestern to a team that can beat Clemson in, in 13 days maybe this is the thing that I think could maybe be the catalyst for that change yeah also I don't know that I still think that they can do that. I have doubts about that, and we'll never know until we watch it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm of the mind that this all works for Ohio State. Like I I think I said it on the last show that I think we're going to whatever the best version, whatever the best attainable version of Ohio State is, having only played six games, having twelve days or thirteen days, whatever it is, to prepare for the game. I think we're going to see that. There's just no guarantee that that's good enough to beat Clemson, especially if Clemson's playing its best football, because I think most people who follow that program would say that the ACC championship was the best they played all year, and they might also be getting some guys back after that at the receiver position um, for Ohio State. But nothing about this, like the the build-up to this, the emotion that's involved in this, is like a negative for me. I think Ohio State kind of needs all of it because it needs to expedite the process of finding it the best version of itself in this weird year, and I think this kind of stuff can help. So... Um, I'm, I, if I'm an Ohio State fan, like I'm happy that all this is happening. I don't think it guarantees you anything, but if you're were eager to see your team get past some of the ugliness of the Indiana and the Northwestern game and gel at the time that it absolutely needs to, I think you know Dabo ranking you 11th and talking shit about you is is the kind of thing that can help get you there. Yeah, I also um, we don't know what's going to happen off the game or, or whatever, but like I had a thought process while I was on the airplane yesterday and. I'm wondering too that you know Dabo is a a character. Yep. Whether we like that's just he is. Their coaches are characters. He's he's a major one. I don't remember him being this much of a character before winning a national championship. I don't know if this is a career long thing or if this is a we're one of the best two programs in America. I can say whatever the hell I want. But I was also wondering in my mind, and maybe you you can have an opinion about this about whether or not this could be the beginning of the transformation of Ryan Day. Because I mm. thought that, that that we know how competitive he is. We've seen it. Everything that, you know, I went to New Hampshire and hung out with his family, and the only thing they ever talked about is that he was throwing tennis balls into a trash can in a hotel room before the TCU game when he was the interim head coach because he had to beat his brother at something before he went and coached his first college game. Yeah. He's very competitive, but I also think he's very vanilla uh, in his press conferences. Mm-hmm. And like Urban, and I, I don't know that he's broken through that. Uh, when Urban spoke, it was an event. And I still remember getting ready for a press conference. Every time I asked Urban a question, I would get I'd get nervous. You want to be the best, and it's like Ryan's just like wow. And it's just I don't know if that locker room video that leaked is like the catalyst for that change because I, I feel like at a certain point the head coach at Ohio State is going to have to be a little bit more animated. And I don't know, maybe that's an ill-advised criticism. Maybe you you tell me what I think. I, think but I, know I feel what you're like saying. this. Yeah. I, I feel like if they beat Clemson. He could get up on the podium and like show who he actually is for the first time because fans have not seen the Ryan Day that we've seen. Yeah. Like, I mean, you—he's a different person when the doors are shut and you're in the Woody. Yeah, and I think I mean that 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 matters more. I think for like the 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 guy we're talking about has been 
present in that building, and I think the players see it and the recruits see it, which is why they're doing so well in those areas. But the public doesn't see it, and I think I guess on some level that that does matter. Like if you're the head coach at Ohio State, you're you're kind of a standard bearer for the sport. Like you're a spokesman for the sport, you're a face of the sport. And like Ryan Day, I think his name is growing in, in notoriety, certainly. But like you put him on a television screen, and I don't think anyone recognizes him right away. And this probably isn't important to him. But there does feel like there's another step for him to take, sort of like in the, in that regard. And um, Dabo has certainly done it. Um, Nick Saban's been doing it for a decade. Um, those are probably the two. Urban was there before he retired, and like that's it. And like there's a void there that Ryan Day I think can step into um, if he wins this game. Like I don't I don't think you do it. I don't I don't think he's earned that yet. Like I think you have to earn that with your success on the field, and this is an opportunity to do that. Yeah, yeah. I just like I wonder maybe if they lose, then he'll go back, and you know. But if they win. That would be awesome to see, like a trend, because we've all expected it. Remember, like even like when we talked about when Ryan first took over, it's only a matter of time before you know you have to earn your right. You have to get to the to the stage where you um, are able to act the way that like Dabo acts. And you know what? I don't hate him for it. I love it, I, and I think he earned it. And yeah. if he's going to make the, the sport more interesting, and if you're going to win the national championship, my my viewpoint always has been: if you're upset about somebody talking shit, then beat them. Like, and be better like i think that's the number one thing recruit better coach better pay more make better facilities invest more you know all the things that every program can do if you're tired of ohio state playing in the big 10 championship or them changing the rules for ohio state then just be better but it's just like now you're talking about a team that is a half step ahead of ohio state and like i don't know that ohio state fans know how to react to that because it's such an it's such a peculiar thing i mean urban meyer lost what nine games in seven years Mm -hmm. and now you're talking about a team that could potentially beat them for the third time in four or five. I don't remember what year that was. Was that 16? So was that five years ago? Yeah. So honestly, if you think about it, Clemson is about to beat Ohio State or or might beat Ohio State for the third time, which would be a third of the entire loss total of Urban Meyer's seven-year tenure. Yeah. Like that. that's like you want to talk about rivalry games? That's – and a team that came in and took Jackson Carmen, and I know that's overblown, and it's probably something that doesn't even have to be written about anymore because we've covered it so extensively, but, like, they've done it at every turn. So if Dabo wants to rank Ohio State 11, you know what? Then go beat them. Yeah, <laughs> don't get mad. Don't go and tweet. Just go beat them. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they will. I don't know. Okay. Uh, let's get into some other questions since we spent 30 minutes basically on one question. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to skip around a little bit. Um, let's go to this Can we one. we just get to the good one? Yeah, let's go to this one. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> from Chris B. Do you think the long throw against Indiana that was picked off broke Justin Fields? He hasn't been the same since. My contention is he played virtually flawless football all of last year and even the beginning of this year. He has not looked the same, not even close since that pick in that game. I'm not sure you guys are even giving justice to how bad he played in the second half against Northwestern. He has it in him, but how confident are you that he can regain his confidence in 12 days. I think that um, using the word broke just kind of like is the wrong word. But I think that like if you take the bones of the question, that he's might be on to something because yeah. he hasn't been playing well. And I don't know if you put that on Justin Fields 100%. Maybe it was a poor game plan and the wrong play calls. And if you put a player in a position to – to not have success and I don't have it, then I don't know that I blame the player for that. And I don't know if that's like giving him a get-out-of-jail-free card, but he did have some inexplicable interceptions in the Indiana game. 
I don't know. He looked pretty good against Michigan State. I don't remember thinking, wow, there's a problem there. Um, but, again, that's not a team that I think can challenge you. And then you put yourself on a, on, on a position where you can't get a, a touchdown against North, Northwestern and you're you know, not playing as well as you can. And you have to think, like, is this the quarterback that the entire car is built around, the engine of this program right now and the team is sputtering? It mm-hmm. needs an oil change. Yeah. And if you if – you, go into the playoff game thinking you're going to get a, a version of Justin Fields that resembles the one that played in Northwestern. Ohio State's going to get their doors blown off. But I don't know how much I put stock into whether or not the way he played against Northwestern is, you know, maybe the pick before halftime was a bad throw. Or maybe, you know, he made some weird decisions or held onto the ball too long, which resulted in sacks. Like, there's things that you can do every game of the year that he plays in that you can break down and say this wasn't very good. And Ryan Day and that coaching staff does that. But I don't know that I, I left the Northwestern game thinking like Justin Fields is like not playing well and this is something that's going to be. And also I, I think that it's possible too that his hand having that sprain was part of the reason for that. So like, what do you think? Do you think it was a it was a Justin Fields problem? Do you think it was a game plan, game plan problem? And where do you think he's going to be at by the time they take the field in New Orleans? Yeah, I mean it, it's it's a lot. Um, his thumb. I went. I was rewatched the game on Monday night, and uh, his thumb he hurt with like 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter. I think he threw two or three other passes after that. So his thumb wasn't wasn't a thing that was impacting him. Um, for for most of the game, uh, the one thing in the, in the question he says like I don't think you guys are giving enough justice to how bad Justin played in the second half. <clears throat> he threw seven passes in the second half because they just started running the ball. He was three for seven. Uh, one incompletion was a pick where Jamison Williams broke off the route, and I think that's like a miscue with a receiver and a quarterback who aren't totally comfortable together. Um, one incompletion was a touchdown to Garrett Wilson, where I didn't realize at the time, but like Garrett Wilson got held by the defender. Otherwise, he would have caught it and would have scored. It was a good throw. Um, he threw a ball behind Trey Sermon. Like I don't, I actually don't think he was terrible in the second half of that game. Um, I thought he was fine in the second half of that game. So, um, but he is having a little bit, I think, of, of a crisis of confidence, and he doesn't see the field well enough. He does. He has not grown enough in his ability to go through his progressions one year to the next. And I think you put that on him. Certainly, you put that on Ryan Day. You put it on Corey Dennis, his new position coach. Um, you know, if your players aren't aren't progressing the way they're supposed to, that ultimately falls back on the coach. And, and I think the coaching of Justin Fields can, can be a little better. Um, I think the play calling can help him. Like some of these things, the play where he hurt his hand, for, hurt his thumb, for instance, they're in the red zone, and they call it second and eleven. Second and eleven, they call a play action pass, and Northwestern doesn't bite because why would you bite on a play action pass on second and eleven? And the play call is an eight man protection two players in the route against seven defenders dropped in the zone coverage because again it's second and 11 and why would anybody bite on play action like Justin Fields has no chance to complete a pass on that play so he scrambles he runs out of bounds and he hurts his thumb and it's like you Ryan Day as a play caller can put Justin Fields in much better situations than some of the situations you're putting him in now that's only step one like if you give Justin Fields play calls where there's a shot call but it's not there and there's underneath relief valves, like he has to be able to see those and take those. And certainly he didn't do that enough against Northwestern. Um, one player in particular, like he didn't throw the ball to. I think it was Jeremy Ruckert was like kind of sitting right in front of him over the ball wide open. And he didn't throw him the ball and he took a sack. Um, so there's a lot of things that go into this. I don't think Justin Fields is broken. I think he and Ryan Day need to like have a honest conversation about like the identity of this offense and if it's just like we're chucking it deep no matter what then like it's going to look like this 
if there's something where both of them can get on the same page or like it's okay to take check downs it's okay to march the ball down the field a little bit it's okay to rely on the running game and build a solid play action passing game off of that then i think there's something there and like the, the fact that that like i said on the last episode and i've said it before like he played his best the best game of his career came against clemson last year when he was a first year starter so i have absolutely have confidence he can get it back but you know, there's work to do in, in 12 days. So is he broken? No, I don't think he's broken. I think he's still very talented. I think there's a lot for him to gain if he plays well against Clemson, both this year and, and for his future. Um, but what he is right now certainly isn't good enough. He has to improve in the next two weeks. Do you think that this – I still look up, you know, like last – what, Monday night there was some weird thing that happened in the sky where Jupiter and – Something, yes, Jupiter. And- Something happened. I don't know. There's a lot of lights in Vegas, so I didn't really look up there. Yeah. But I sometimes look out into the heavens and think, what are the odds that two of the best quarterbacks in the history of college football, maybe, uh, were born like within a 30 mile radius of each other and played high school football during the same year at the same time, and like now are going to be playing each other for the second time? And like, what are the odds of that? And I yeah. was like wondering. Do you think that Fields thinks about the head-to-head matchup stuff with with Trevor? Do you think he actually wants to beat him at something once because he lost at the open? Oh, no, no, he, he beat won him the, at opening, the opening, right? He yeah, he, opening. he won the opening. Yeah. Okay, so we beat him at the opening. But like, I mean, I I filed my Heisman ballot on on Monday, and one person was on my ballot and one wasn't. Yeah, and it, you know, and the person who wasn't, I don't know if I'm not allowed to say this or not, but you, Fields was not on my ballot. I think you can say who you didn't vote for, but you can't say who you voted for. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, Fields was not on my ballot, and part of it was because they didn't play enough games, and part of it was his two worst games were Ohio State's two biggest games. Yeah. And you can't win the trophy playing like that. That doesn't mean I don't think he's one of the best players in college football. I still do, but that's not what the trophy's about. And um, I just wonder, like, if he just wants to actually – if he's motivated by the fact that he is constantly compared to that that person, and he will for the re- remainder of his career, if if he goes, if Lawrence goes Jaguars because the Jets decided to win a game for no reason on Sunday, <laughs> which is something I still think about, um, and he goes to the, to the Jets with the second pick, this is going to be a, a side by side graphic in the NFL for years to come, and I just I, I feel like he wants to win this game for that reason too. Yeah, I think. Um, he he's pressed a little bit, like he, and I don't know if that's because like he had fewer games and he wanted to win the Heisman, or he had fewer games and he wanted to make sure that Ohio State got into the playoffs, so he wanted to blow everybody out. But like he's, I, I thought last year and coming into this year, like one of the qualities of Justin Fields that didn't get talked about enough, but but I thought was like super important to the way that he plays is just sort of like his general unflappability. Like he was a very cool kind of under pressure. I don't mean pressure in the sense of like getting pressure by defensive players. I mean pressure like of the moment. And against Indiana, I, I like he I I don't know how, I don't know who that guy was against Indiana. The, some of the stuff he was trying to do, and then like he showed up for a second against Northwestern. I was like, oh man, this is this is not great. And I like I, I would be a little fearful, I guess, that that guy might show back up again against Clemson because Clemson's certainly going to blitz him. It's a huge stage. He's going to have to make a lot of plays. Um, a lot's riding on his shoulders, but if he can somehow like get back into and channel the guy who was like n- never able to get knocked off kilter in that kind of way, then I think he's going to have a good game. And, and I, frankly, I think if he's if he's that guy, Ohio State can win. Um, but I don't know why. I think he struggled a little bit with the all all the things I, th- I guess that were riding on his shoulder. Like we talked about coming into the year, like is this going to be? Is he going to be the best Ohio State quarterback ever? Is this going to be the best Ohio State offense ever? And it's like I'm not making excuses for him, 
because they had the potential and they didn't quite reach it. Um, but it's a lot to handle, and and maybe in, at, at times he didn't handle it all that well. Um, but that doesn't mean that he can't find it against Clemson. I kind of think he will find it, to be honest. Um, but it's not a guarantee, so I get why people will be nervous about it. But he's not like he's not broken. Yeah, I yeah. I, I, I respect the spirit of the question for sure because yeah, it he's was a lost, good question. He's lost a little something of himself for sure, but I don't. I don't I'm not going to get mad at somebody for using hyperbole either. So yeah. like, I mean, I, I mean, I I I go to that well quite often. So uh, yeah, I appreciate the question. Um, there were like some personnel questions. Will W asked, like, should Dewan Jones be playing left guard instead of Harry Miller? And Anthony V asked, should Justin Hilliard be starting a linebacker now and, like, maybe move Baron Browning to inside and replace Tough Borland? Where do you sit on making personnel changes two weeks before a playoff game? Baron Browning was playing pretty well, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, I know Justin Hilliard had a, a nice game, but I don't know that I would make any of those changes. Neither of them. Sticking in a new offensive lineman um, is yeah. potentially disastrous. Although, like, Dewan Jones played well at tackle against Michigan State. Harry Miller's not had a good year. Uh, his his mistakes are very apparent. He's a very young starting offensive lineman. He's He's been their worst offensive lineman, but I think he's had bright spots too. Um, but he did have <clears> – <throat> he had a holding penalty that took a touchdown off the board against Northwestern. He had another play where he just like didn't block anybody when they were trying to do a throwback to Garrett Wilson and that play fell apart. So like I get it. Again, I think that goes back to play calling. Like maybe don't put your worst offensive lineman on an island to block two people near the sideline while Justin Fields is trying to throw the ball back across the field to Garrett Wilson. So like put put your players in better spots, Ryan Day, please put your players in better spots. Um and then don't fall back on saying, well we gotta execute better. It's like no, just call better plays. Like have a better plan. It's not only them executing; it's also you putting your players in bad situations. Um, yeah, but but I don't think um, I don't think they're going to make any personnel changes now. I, I think like Justin Hilliard could play more. Um, Tough Borland did not play well against Northwestern, like you said. Baron Browning had been playing very well. We also don't know if Baron Browning is going to be back for the playoff game. Um, the Big Ten did change that rule from twenty-one days to seventeen days. I don't know if we mentioned that on the last episode or not. I don't, I don't know if that had happened by then. Um, but we don't know when Baron Browning went out or if, if he was out for a positive or he was out for contact tracing. But um, if he's available, I would expect him to start at Sam linebacker. Maybe Justin Hilliard could work in a little bit. But I don't think they're going to shuffle the deck here and start putting new starters in there before you go into a playoff game. Is okay. Justin Field, I mean, uh, Justin Hilliard the best Justin on the field <laughs> in the hmm. Big Ten title game, playing himself into an NFL spot? I don't know about playing himself into an NFL spot. I just don't know if he has like enough film for that. But he was really good. Like he was he was their best defensive player. That oh maybe Haskell Garrett or Tommy Togiai, which is usually the case. But you wanna you want to uh, he was really good. See, I want to see him succeed because that yeah. that's a guy. That you interception talk about was great. Like the, the play he made on the ball, that interception. Climbed the ladder really on that one, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was. <laughs> I was uh, I was sitting next to Austin Ward in the press box from Letterman Row, and like we see Justin Hilliard isolated outside on the tight end, and Austin said like, "Well, this this could get, get ugly," <laughs> and it's like, "Nope, <laughs> Justin Hilliard." Which interception corner. was more impressive, Hilliard's, or uh, based on his physical or supposed physical limitations, or the one that uh, Northwestern got before halftime? The one the Northwestern got before halftime um, was a big deal, and that actually leads me nicely into another question that was here. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. 
From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Um, from Adam V. Said, was Chris Olave missed that much? Or are there bigger reasons to be concerned about the passing game? And and I don't. I don't think it's one or the other, but like that play in particular is a good example of the the ball in the end zone. They they kind of ran a switch with um, a lot or Wilson and Jamison Williams, and I think if Chris Olave is in that spot, he runs the route in the way that gets a pick on the defender that was covering Garrett Wilson, and Jamison Williams didn't do that. So the Brandon Joseph, the safety, was covering Garrett. Garrett Wilson like never broke stride was with Garrett Wilson the whole way it wasn't a great ball it should have been it should have been thrown a little higher but like that's where you, you miss Chris Olave when when Jamison Williams doesn't set the right pick you miss Chris Olave when Jamison Williams breaks off of his route because he's near the sideline with nowhere else to go and Justin Fields throws an interception like those I'm not taking those off of Justin's shoulders but but you did miss Chris Olave like he's a major security blanket for Justin Fields so his return we're anticipating I think solves not all of the issues but some of the issues in the passing game but it's a, it's a combination of both but I don't want to I don't want that personnel loss of Chris Olave to just sort of get like washed away and forgotten about I think that was a major deal that he wasn't playing in that game yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. And also the way that Northwestern was defending them, uh, I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, you know, again, it's all all same same discussion points that we had from after the game. Yeah, um, Colin B says uh, or asks, no coach has won a national title while calling plays since Steve Spurrier. The job is too complicated these days. This is why the Buckeyes are slow to pick up on in-game adjustments. Is it time for Ryan Day to become a true CEO and let Kevin Wilson call plays so that Day can run the whole team? I don't know. Running the whole team seems more complicated than just calling the plays. Uh, I get where he's coming from. I also don't know. I don't know how you can answer the question without knowing exactly how he feels. You know, like yeah. I mean, I mean, I know Kevin Wilson's a hell of a play caller. I, I'd let that guy call plays. Um, and I understand that if he's out talking to the if Ryan Day's talking to special teams or having a discussion with Kerry Combs and like you're not as locked in on on adjustments and all the things that you also you could if the only thing that you were concerned with was was being the offensive coordinator so i understand this is a sentiment that this this was going back to should urban call plays you know i mean this isn't new um and it's just a matter of whether or not i mean because most coaches go for the year first year or two and you you know you wrote the story about him at at the rose bowl uh a few years ago he doesn't want to pass the sticks i get it but you know maybe he will and i'm not saying that he should based on that game i mean the guy's lost one game in his entire uh coaching career at this point uh, head head coaching career and it was to Clemson in a very heartbreaking fashion. So I, I, I don't know I, if this is like knee-jerk reaction to the way things went after the Big Ten championship game. I think that's that's one thing. Uh, the only reason why I would ever think about this question or feel this question is whether or not Ryan Day feels that way. 
Yeah, and I don't know if he does, and he's close with Chip Kelly, and Chip Kelly calls his own plays. The one thing about this question, and like Urban's, I think Urban is the one who has gone like on TV and said, like, no no play callers won a national title since Steve Spurrier. It's like, well, Urban had a very heavy hand in play calling, and he won national titles. Um, didn't Jim Trestle call plays? Like, I know Jim Bowman was the offensive coordinator, but wasn't Trestle calling plays in 2002? I always knew that Trestle was the one who was, like, above everybody. I don't know if he was technically calling the plays. Like, Trestle was, like, urban in the sense that he uh, – what hap- what he wanted happened. And I don't know, like, Jim Bowman at some at one point, if I remember correctly. I mean, man, we're going over a decade ago. But I, I think that Bowman was the co- the play caller, and there was a play that called Dave. Yeah. I don't know if power. you've seen all the memes about yeah. power power – power dave and it's just like there were a bunch of when before memes were the thing like everybody would make jokes about dave yeah and uh but like yeah i i don't know if jim trussell was the full-time play caller in 2002 i can't recall uh but i don't know that ryan day calling the plays makes me think wow ohio state's in trouble well right? uh, yeah that, that was what i was getting to i guess it's like if, if jim trussell wasn't calling plays he at least had a heavy hand in it like les miles had a heavy hand in calling plays at lsu and they won a national title it's like part of the reason why people pull out this stat that like there hasn't been a national championship head coach since Steve Spurrier is because like Nick Saban has won half the national championships. I, know, since I was going to say, <laughs> and like Bob Stoops is a defensive guy and he won one. So like it's a little it's a little bit of a flawed uh, um, point, I think. And and also like I think two of the last three Super Bowl winners, the head coach has been primary play caller. So like you can win a championship while with your head coach serving as a primary play caller. I know college and NFL are a little different. But it's not impossible. I don't think it's a thing that's holding Ohio State back. Um, I do think over time, maybe inevitably, coaches sort of evolve more into CEOs. Uh, and and I understand the reluctance to like give this up if it's what you do. But I don't know if like to this point, I felt like, oh man, Ryan Day's got to hand the reins over because he's putting Ohio State in a bad spot. Um, I, I mean, ask me again, I guess after the Clemson game. But I don't. I don't think we've reached the point where Ryan Day needs to give it up completely. Yeah, agreed. Um, okay, let's do two more questions. This one was – I like this question. Um, from Brandon L. He said, this matchup is a tougher one to view through scarlet-colored glasses. One thing I come back to, though, is as we talk about how deficient and worse this team is than previous iterations, OSU teams in the past that seem most obviously equipped to win it all all fell short. And then he says, the weirdo, sicko Ohio State teams have won it all. And he's pointing to 20, 2002, 2014. Yeah. And then he says, this is a weirdo, sicko, unknown, seemingly deficient team. Is there anything to this, or am I taking a 2018 OSU linebacker angle on a Maryland running back with this take? <laughs> Brandon L., you, you looking for a job, bud? I think that would be a really interesting story for you to work on. Yeah, I saw this question, too, and I, I, I it, it piqued my interest. I have to go back. Ohio State. I, yeah. I don't know yeah. the makeup of all the teams that he's mentioning. I have to go back, and, and maybe you know it better than I do. But, um, yeah, Ohio State's best Ohio teams Ohio State ever lost to oh, – 2003, the one team that he doesn't have on there for some reason is 05. Um, 05 lost twice, once to Penn State, and was the team that lost to uh, Texas at home. Yeah. The year that Texas beat USC in the national championship game at a tight end, Ryan Hamby ball hit him in the hands and they would have put him up nine uh, late in the fourth quarter and that would have basically sealed it and then they had a weird loss at penn state but by the time the end of the 05 team um 06 isn't on there oh yeah, it is on there okay but the 05 team is what gave birth to the 06 team and i bet you uh maybe with the benefit of hindsight the 06 team that lost to florida in the national championship um wasn't as good as the team that ohio state fielded at the end of 05 like 05 i would put on that list along with 06 
Um, 03, they lost to Michigan. That would have sent them to the championship for the second consecutive year. Um, 2013 was the year they lost to Michigan State in mm-hmm. the Big Ten championship game. And, you know, 2015, you, you were there. Yeah, I didn't for, invent hip-hop, but I was there. I was there for that one. <laughs> um, so they're, they're, if you go back and you look at Ohio State's last 20 years, there were legitimately five teams, five, so 20% of the time, that they had a team that could win a national title and they didn't. Yeah. And, like, you start propping up Alabama for winning all those national cha- – like, that is Alabama territory. And, you know, some years you're going to win it and some years you're not, but if Ohio State won three of those and then sprinkles in 2002 and 2014 um, – you know, you put yourself in a position where you're in a different viewing, uh, you're a different light from viewership. So, I think that's really interesting. It's like the it's like I was talking to somebody who was an Ohio State fan last week, and he was just like, "They're going to get their ass kicked by Clemson." It's just like, what did you think that was going to happen in '14 when they played Bama? Yeah, I bet your analysis was very similar. And I'm not trying to use that as like upsets happen because of course they do. That's not deep analysis, but I think sometimes. We you overanalyze teams and you overthink about things and you look at something that happened in a previous week and you think to yourself, well, they suck because their linebackers are going to get are out of position and their secondary is going to get eaten alive and the left guard can't block anybody and all the things that you come up with and it's just like sometimes the analysis is just Ohio State's offensive line can blow them off the ball all game like Notre Dame did yeah uh, six weeks ago and put up 300 yards rushing again and beat them. And it's like you can think about the 900 reasons why they might lose, but the the one thing that you might not give credit for because you're upset right now is the thing that ends up winning the football game. So I think that talking to a few – I mean, that would be a major, major project. I don't even know if you'd have time. But, like, talking to players from all those teams about uh, what went wrong and talking to – play. I mean, I think that's a – like, Brandon, your question is – what we spend time at home doing all day yeah coming up with interesting fascinating discussions and like the weirdo sicko unknown <laughs> seemingly deficient team is six and oh and playing in the champion a college football playoff and ohio state was super deficient in 14 too they had a third string quarterback playing in the postseason yeah and you know it's weird it's weird how it this could team, happen how this team has evolved because before the year before all this craziness happened we were like ryan day like called this once in a lifetime team we were yeah. all like we were all thinking about all the records this offense could shatter, and like it had the makeup of a team that you thought was going to be awesome, like in every facet, and then ultimately disappoint you because that's what Ohio State's best teams do, and it's it's morphed into something different now. Like it's it is a yeah. it's a flawed team. You think they're going to get their ass kicked by Clemson, and it's like I, I, if if in twenty one days or twenty two days we're going to look at like like that team won the national title. Like, yeah, that's the team that won the national title. The one that had uh, yeah. very obvious flaws is the team that won the national title because that's what Ohio State yeah. does. Yeah, well, I mean, teams have teams have flaws in a pandemic, and Ohio State's not alone in that regard. So, yeah. I mean, I think if Ohio State would have beaten Northwestern 48-10, to 10, that, that, question, that question wouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it would still be the same team. And I think Ohio State could have won that game 48 10 they almost covered the spread by playing three and a half quarters of i don't know we're doing football and still ended up winning that football game so um they're not my favorite i think they're the third best team in the playoff right now but the third best team can win sometimes yeah and you know i 
I'm very excited to see what Ryan Day puts out there because I think we're going to learn a lot about him as a coach, his personality, uh, what this Ohio State team actually is because it's hard to gauge through the prism of coronavirus, uh, 35-7 blown leads to Indiana. I I don't even know how to put it into proper context because they haven't had a game against a team that I would even come close to even putting in Clemson's stratosphere. So, like, interesting dynamic for sure. Um, And sometimes the team that you think are bulletproof are the ones that lose, and sometimes the teams that are flawed are the ones that wins. I think it's an insightful question, and I think it's something to think about as you go into the game. Yeah, and it's not like – Ohio State's not like some scrappy underdog, but um, – Typically, like the teams that people give no shot to are the ones that end up uh, surprising you. I think it just stinks for Ohio State that they have the second best quarterback in college football, and the bar for being the best quarterback in college football might have never been higher. And they're playing that team. Yeah, right. So, like right. you're like you're in a position where you have to to overcome some things. But I mean, again, I, I haven't given my official prediction yet. But if somebody's giving Ohio State two scores, just take my money. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Okay, let's end on uh, this question from Nathan K. This is, this is more of a fun question. He says, uh, first he asked, is the intro song available anywhere because his two-year-old uh, loves it? People love the intro song to this podcast. I get, that's the question I get asked the most is where's the music come from? Um, our producer, John Hayes, picks it. We'll, we'll find a link if we can uh, get that out to you. He asked, uh, what was the Christmas present you got that you were most excited for as a kid? Or it doesn't have to be a Christmas present, I guess. Like any present you were given around the holidays that got you most excited as a kid. Can we, uh, can we also do adult? <laughs> oh yeah for sure yeah. yeah okay we'll go kid first uh um i got super nintendo uh in 1995 i think i don't remember what year i came out and my grandma was in town visiting and they put super nintendo uh underneath the tree or i don't there was no tree we're jewish yeah. but there were the, i'm just trying to be the symbolization here that was the most epic gift i've ever received and will ever receive because when you're a kid these things that happen are so much bigger than real life like it, it, when we opened that that me and my brother opened that gift i've never in my life i don't think i'll ever be that jubilant again was it like the video of that kid like the n64 like that commercial that people dude and we we played it and played it yeah. and played it like we we got mario him and I would would play it all day, and I don't know if that's part of the reason, like for the decay of modern society, because that's all we did when we were kids. But that was the be- best. No gift could ever top that, because when you're a kid, receiving the new video game system is like the apex of human happiness. I don't know if I ever got a system for Christmas. I definitely got games for Christmas, but I think I might have already had the systems beforehand. Um, I think I think the gift that I got for Christmas I, I know it might have been I might have been like six, um, so this would have been like ninety five ish too I think. Um, I got a Huffy bike like it was an orange Huffy bicycle, and it was the fastest goddamn bike on the planet. Like I was flying. Oh, no, you were fast. You were fast. No, the bike was fast. The bike the bike had speed. I was I, I got on that I got on that thing and I was like a, a superhuman. Like the thing flew flew down the driveway and it was one of those things too where like i didn't uh like i had a bike that had training wheels on it and like this was like my first like real bike that didn't have training wheels on it but like i had never really ridden on a bike without training wheels all that much and like i got on the bike and my dad just pushed me down the down the driveway or the alleyway behind her house and uh it was over after that we were flying all around the neighborhood i love that bike. i have this i have this memory um when i was a kid learning to to ride bikes my dad took off the training wheels 
and like we lived on a on a house that had a curvy street so that if you rode up the street and like you know 400 feet you were no longer visible from the person standing on the front front driveway and i remember my parents saying when you drive your bike or ride your bike don't you dare go into the street and i remember thinking with the bike that i had that was fast the second i got out of sight i always every time went right into the middle of the street and i don't know why <laughs> like that's just like kids but like i almost felt like i was being set free by the tyranny of my parents thinking that they they could keep me out of the street okay i'm gonna do my favorite adult gift and i'm gonna do it from this year all right my girlfriend bought me tommy john underwear oh yeah i don't know if you've ever i have heard about it it's called second skin um and this isn't an ad read guys this is this is (laughs) this is a pro tip i think it's like 35 bucks for a pair of underwear so it's kind of expensive but I'm never wearing like this is gonna be a thing for me. Like yeah. I'm gonna constantly add, you know, maybe not all at once because I can't justify spending three hundred and fifty dollars on ten pairs of underwear. But I think that like over time, if you buy them incrementally, like one pair a month, get yourself. It, it was life changing. And the funny thing is, before we came to Vegas uh, for Christmas, because is where she's from, I ordered a PS5 from GameStop, and I risked my life breaking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> breaking crosswalk rules and running red lights to get to GameStop and I've been waiting for my PS5 and the second we left the the, the house and went to the airport the thing arrived um, and I bring that up because gifts that you get yourself that would have been epic when you were 5 or 8 or 10 um, just don't hit the same <laughs> as they would have <laughs> when you were a kid um, not that I'm not excited to play it but getting PS5 doesn't even come close to the excitement that I experienced the day I got Super Nintendo yeah, yeah, no, it's not the same thing, dude. Second skin though, try it. Bill. Second skin, Tommy John, not an ad. Shout out. Are to you Tommy on? John. Are you on their website right now? No, I'm looking. I'm trying to oh. find a picture of the bike that I got when I was a kid in 1995, but I can't find it. Um, I don't know if I like. I only ever get like money now that I'm an adult. I can't think of uh, a cool yeah. gift that I've gotten since I've been an adult. One year, I guess I was an adult when this happened. This is more like of a like a sentimental thing. Um, it was just like a nice thing my grandmother did for me. Um, when I went to a, a Phillies game in, I don't know what year it was, and Kevin Millwood threw, like, a no-hitter, and I was at that game, and I always kept scoring. I was a kid when I went to games, so, like, I had the scorecard from that game, and then I was, like, able to get it autographed by Kevin Millwood, like, a few months after that, and I just, like, had it sitting there, and unbeknownst to me, like, my grandmother, like, got a hold of that scorecard and then, like, put it in a frame with, like, photos from that game and, like, gave it to me. It was kind of cool. I still have it. It's in my. It's, I'm legitimately about to cry. Yeah, it was nice. Another gift I'm I got. I'm here playing grab ass about new underwear, and you're over here trying to break people down. Yeah, another gift I got. This will really break it down. Uh, this is actually going to be sad. I hesitate to say this, but it is nice. It means a lot to me. It's hanging up in my living room. Uh, my family lived on the same street in Philadelphia. Like a member of my family lived on the same street in Philadelphia for like 70 years. Um, my grandparents lived there. My dad grew up on that block, and then we lived on that block. Um, and then no one, like we all moved, like no one lived on that block anymore. Um, after my mom passed away and my dad like took a picture of the front door of our house and like a picture of the street sign that I also have tattooed on my arm and, uh, like framed all of that, like a really nice way and gave it to us. Like when no one in my family lived on that block anymore. So that was a really cool, like sentimental gift that I have hanging in my living room at the moment. I'm like actually about to, I'm I'm done. (laughs) Just end this shit or, I mean, what, what, what are you doing to me sorry if someone asked I'm talking like, about Tommy John underwear no, under, underwear here. is nice too underwear is nice too like, I, I get it no I know but <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying I just that was 
that was touching. I don't like that was I don't. Yeah, I just wanted to answer the question honestly. So anyway, I mean the bike was cooler when I was a kid. The bike was cooler. <laughs> Landis, you got to end this. I'm like I'm about to go get it. I need a tissue. Okay, all right. We'll end it there. Uh, thank you guys for listening again. Uh, subscribe to the Athletic. You can uh, subscribe to theathletic.com slash four six. Get that two for one deal. You can ask questions for future episodes. Uh, we hope everybody enjoys uh, the, the holiday week. Stay safe. We'll be back to talk with you guys. After that, uh, we'll preview Ohio State Clemson a little more. Maybe try to sneak in an extra show uh, next week before Ohio State and Clemson play each other down in New Orleans. But until then, thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Mm-hmm.